Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. I'm really excited about today's discussion, and I think there are lessons to be learned here for every woman. Joining us today is Francine Dick. She's a financial advisor with over 20 years of experience. She's a finalist for the Advisor of the Year in Socially Responsible Investing and the recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for Community Service. Francine has leveraged life's personal challenges to switch careers and follow her passion to help people. She focuses on helping women understand and take ownership over our finances. Welcome, Francine. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a delight to be here. Amazing. I absolutely love that you are empowering women to sort of take charge of their finances. Could you tell us a little bit about how you took charge of your own and what brought you to this career path and this point in your life? Uh, yes, and it's very interesting because I was actually a photographer for many years um, oh. before I did this, yes. Uh, and my ex-husband and I, he was a photographer as well. We had a photo studio together. And when the marriage uh, broke up, he got the photo studio, I got the house and also half his debt, which I wasn't aware of. So there's lesson number one. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of women, you know, they don't know what's going on financially. And I mean, at the time we had three young children, so I was busy with that as well as working. So again, I'm trying not to blame myself, but it, as you said, it's all life lessons to learn that you need to be aware of what's going on. Okay. Uh, so after we separated, I kept on doing photography, but I think that um, uh, a personal change led me to want to do a professional change. And I began to investigate different things. And it was a bit of a challenge because I was sole support with three kids and I had to look after them. So it wasn't like I could go back to school full time and study for a new degree. And a lot of jobs at the time, you have to be between the lines. So anything with travel was out. Mm -hmm. uh, Anything, you know, where it said ability to be flexible, well, you know, daycare closes at six o'clock. So right. how can I be? Yeah. And um, boy, I'm really going to date myself here, but uh, I saw an advertisement in the newspaper uh, for career and financial services. And um, I don't know, it just kind of piqued my interest. Again, it's people always say to me, oh, you're in financial services. You must be really good with numbers. And I'm not. I'm not terrible. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because the work I do, it really is a people kind of business and having mm. relationships with people. So I went and checked it out. Uh, they were having an open house and I didn't like the company, but I liked the idea and the seed was planted and um, it just took off from there. Really interesting. So um, I'm going to sort of unpack a couple of things there. Um during your divorce, so you thought you were getting sort of a fair settlement with the photography studio going to Hammond and you sort of taking the house. Um, how did, did you discover that? Sorry? I did have to buy him out. So, I mean, it uh, was, okay. you know what, uh, Nalika, right now it's so long ago. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, we had lawyers, so it, it all kind of worked out in the end. Yes. Uh, but the debt, he had was 
a bit of a surprise. And unfortunately, um, I got stuck with half of it. So. Mm. And do you think women are surprised by like debt and certain things like that when they're go through, going through divorce? Um, yes, I think so. Because at that point, you know, a lot of things can be hidden. But of course, when you divorce or separate, then everything has to come to the forefront because you right. have to see what assets are there. And, you know, I remember talking uh, with my lawyer when I was going through it and she was telling me about uh, another client of hers who, when she was separating, found out her husband, husband had like this $100,000 gambling debt, right? That oh, she wow. didn't know about. I know. So that's my thing. It could always be worse, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, and I think it is changing that women are becoming uh, more involved with it. And I know I've had calls from women. In fact, I had one just um, yesterday uh, of a woman calling me. I'm really concerned about the debt her family has and just wanting to try to manage it better. Okay. Um, debt's a heavy burden, but I think uh, women just they need to be a bit more involved and understand uh, what's going on with the family finances. Yeah, so it's not just when a divorce is happening or something like that, but truly understanding your finances at sort of every stage in life, I would imagine. Yes, oh, absolutely. And what would you say is sort of is the first thing that women, first three things that women need to understand about their, about their finances? Um, well, the first three things is before you're even in a relationship, you should understand mm. your income. So, I mean, what's coming in? Like, what are you paying for? I mean, just a simple thing. Look at your pay stub. Right. Um, you know, so so what's coming off there? Um, you know, um, uh, is there a pension plan, your CPP, your um, contribution, your EI contribution? What's this for? What's that for? So understand what those things are and how much you have uh, left, your net pay. So that's one thing to be aware of. Um, the other thing is to be aware of your spending um, and not to get yourself in debt. I mean, we talk about good debt and bad debt. And good debt is things if you need to take a student loan for uh, furthering your education, or if you have a mortgage, mm -hmm. um, you're buying a house and you do have a mortgage. So that sure. could be good debt. But then there's bad debt, which is, you know, buying another pair of shoes you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> going, going on a trip, you know, that you can't afford and can't mm -hmm. pay for. Um, you know, maybe doing an expensive renovation that's not needed or simply um, living beyond your means. And mm -hmm. when I tell people, I mean, if you have a certain lifestyle and you want to maintain that, then you have, you know, I mean, there's two choices if, if your cash flow is strapped. And one is either you reduce your expenses or you increase your income. Right. Basic rule to follow yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah. So either, you know, try to get a job that'll pay you more money. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I think is really important is to save. And, you mm. know, you need to get in the habit of saving. So again, this is where speaking with a financial advisor, financial planner is helpful. So should you be saving in a retirement savings plan or should you save in a tax-free savings account? Uh, and you might have different pots of money. So maybe you've got a little travel fund where you put a little money in for travel and one mm -hmm. for your retirement plan. Um, so that's really important to 
make sure that you're saving because that's once you're in that habit of saving, that's really important. Okay, perfect. So it's understanding your income, the actual amount of money that's coming in, understanding your sort of debt and the amount of money that has to go out. And then it's almost like a buffer that you have to understand in terms of how much you can save. And then you have kind of play money or what's left over, right? So that's it, you know, and I don't like to, sometimes if you do too strict a budget, yeah. people can't stick to it. My feeling is, right. you know, if you, the money comes in and you put, I mean, you know, as the wealthy barber said, 10% or whatever. And I just, sure. you know, whatever you can do, if that money comes off and you're saving it and you've got a little emergency fund, I don't mm-hmm. care what you do with the rest of your money. Are great. So that's important. And the other thing for for women, if you get in a relationship, you know, common law, you get married, but it's a serious relationship Mm -hmm. and you're living together, then it's really important for two things. One is to have your own stash of money for both people. Um, So, you know, if, you know, you want to go out to the theater, out drinking, um, for a night, great, you know, if your partner wants to go to a sporting event or the theater, um, yeah. you can do that with their money. But then you also need to have a joint household account. And I meet so many couples who don't have that. And it's like, well, you know, they pay for this and I pay for that. And, you know, they sort of take care of this and I'll do this. And so there's no working together. Like you really don't know where all the money's going. So if you have a joint household expense and it doesn't have to be 50-50, it can be proportionate on what you're earning. So if one person earns more, they contribute more. Then you've got got a joint household account. So you can pay your mortgage, rent, property taxes, uh, repairs. Um, you know, if there's kids events, um, groceries, all the things that come out of that, that are your joint expenses. And then you work together too. And you're aware, you know, Mm. of how things are. I think that was a key word that you just used there, which is awareness, just that transparency, that open conversation. And a lot of people, particularly women I find are um, uncomfortable in some way talking about their finances with partners or with an advisor or, um, and it's almost like it sort of reflects your, your life and your, your mental state is often reflected in, in your finances. Would you say that's true from what you've seen? Yeah, it's, I don't know, there's something very intimate about money and people, hmm. I think there's also, if you're in debt or that, a certain amount of shame and yeah. I always tell people, like, I don't judge. I'm here to help, right? And and I've gone, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I raised three kids on my own. So I know what it's like to struggle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my job is to help you and I can help. So it's sometimes like, you know, if I remember meeting with a couple once and they're in this debt and they were spending like a thousand dollars a month on wine. I was like, oh my God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and I so, get it, love a glass of wine, but you know, yeah, some things yeah. have to be sacrificed. Yeah, and you know, and that's great if your budget would allow for it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> what you want, but you know, it didn't and they had a lot of debt. So yeah. this is where, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, well, I really want this, you know, to, this really yeah. expensive bottle of wine, but you know, um, 
really you can't afford it and there's you know to talk about it with your partner might be touchy uh whereas this is where having like a third party objective professional can come in and say like okay you know you have two kids who within 10 years will be going to post-secondary school and you have right saved up for them mm. uh, so maybe we can divert some of that wine money into an education <laughs> savings plan. Yeah. Um, but there is, I think people sometimes feel shame that they're in debt. Um, there's a lot of uh, comparison to other people too. And sometimes there's a feeling you look at other people and they're just living so well. And so you want to do that as well. And of course, you know, all the social media and, you know, television shows and everything um, yeah. that shows, you know, the, the glamour and whatever. Mostly um, fake, though, this illusion that's created. In, you <laughs> know, the, yes, yeah, you don't know what kind of debt they're in as right. well. It looks like yes. a good life, right? But, yeah. I, you know, they, they could have a huge amount of debt. So yeah. um, it, it's a hard thing. And that's why I think early in a relationship, like if you're going to, if you're in a relationship with someone, and certainly if you're going to start living together, mm-hmm. you know, whether you get married or not, but if you're going to start living together, then that's when you really need to have a conversation about money. Absolutely. So, yeah. You, know, you, you would need to sit down with the other person and, and talk about, okay, um, how are we going to manage this? I want to have, you know, we should have a joint account to pay household expenses. And that's going to be really telling because if the other person says, no, 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 I just want my own money. Mm, right. Yes. Red flag should go up. I'll, tell you what, I'll pay the rent. And why don't you pay for the groceries and the, uh, the internet bill yeah. and whatever. Then I, I think that's a real telling sign that the person isn't interested in, in working as a team. They're not interested in uh, your feelings right. and committed to you. So I think that can be very telling. That's really interesting, the parallel that runs. It's a trust factor, right? And you yeah. talked about it as, you know, money is a very sensitive thing. It's a very personal thing. So there's a deep trust factor with whoever you're speaking to um, about your finances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's also, you know, that you should, as I said earlier, each person should have their own account. So if they save, you know, to save in their retirement plan, to save for a special trip to, you know, those variable fun expenses to buy a new pair of shoes. So treat yourself once in a while. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And so, so I think that way, you also don't feel resentful because like, oh, you know, they're going out again, you know, mm. to, to a basketball game and then to a bar after and, and then, and here I am, you know, stuck at home, you know, with the kids or whatever. Um, so that's why it's important that that can be very non-judgmental. That's your money. You do what you want with it. This is mine you know what, if I want to buy a new pair of shoes and I have the money. I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of helps you, you know, as you were describing it, it sounds like there would be a lot of resentment that built up if there was an uneven factor, or if you haven't openly spoken about it, or you don't have your own accounts, there's a little bit of danger of eroding the relationship that way. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
So you mentioned that you raised three kids on your own and you went off into this adventure of financial advising. <laughs> um, how did you how did you balance that as a single mom sort of transitioning careers and and moving into a world that women traditionally, you know, didn't play a role in? Um, in the um, yeah, there's a lot more um, women now in financial. Absolutely. Service. Yeah. Um, you know, then when I started, but it was great because I started off, um, you know, basically building my own business. So mm -hmm. it was like basically commission. So it was a really tough slog establishing my business. Right. And I, to be honest, I didn't, you know, I probably didn't make as much money or wasn't as successful uh, business wise as I could have been if I didn't have kids because I had kids and I had right. to take care of them. Um, and I mean, my, my children are all grown up now and they've turned out just great. None of them live at home. They're all working independent, et cetera, et cetera. So you know what? It's like retirement. <laughs> and they, they've done really well. Awesome. Um, but, you know, I did um, what I could and I worked, they were in school or daycare uh, I was really fortunate at the time to have subsidized childcare, which made a okay. huge difference, which is yep. why I've always been a proponent of it. And um, it really allowed me to work and build up my business. And um, that's what I did. It sort of running my own business uh, gave me flexibility. So I could, you know, if I wanted to go on a field trip with their class, I was able to do that. Yeah. Uh, it often meant, you know, this is not a Monday to Friday, nine to five job. Uh, you know, there's evenings you have to work, sometimes weekends, but um, mm -hmm. you know, certainly in the beginning. So it's, you know, put it's investing the time and effort into your own business and your career at the same time. Um, yeah. How did you teach your kids about, about financial responsibility? Huh. Well, uh, one thing I'm a firm believer in giving children an allowance. Okay. Uh, so I gave them an allowance. It was, and I also am a firm believer that an allowance should not be tied to household chores. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. And okay. one is, first of all, it's so much work for you. Like, you're going to keep track of a spreadsheet. Trying to monitor them. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, okay, well, you know, you get uh, a loony for this and $2 for doing that. And what's the value of this? Um, you know, and anyone who has children uh, knows that you, you have the occasional disagreement with them. <laughs> so you can just see, uh, you know, your your 13-year-old coming and saying, you know, can I have $5 because I've cleaned up my room? And you go in and you say, well, it doesn't look very clean to me. Right. And they reply, well, it looks clean to me. And then now we're into an argument about whose definition of clean we're going Too to Too subjective, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think, though, for me, the main thing was that, uh, first of all, if you if you live in a household, you do chores because that's yes. what you do. You know, yeah. I have to clean the toilet. When I made dinner, no one ever thanked me or paid me. I mean, sometimes mm. I've got a nice thank you, but I never got paid for doing it, right? Yes. That's what you have to do. If you live in a house, you're part of the family collective and you help out. 
I, I like to give allowance because it, it teaches responsibility. So mm -hmm. if you want to save some money to buy something, you learn how to save. Right. Um, and if you want to go buy some, you know, chips or fries and a uh, soft drink, then, you know, you won't have the money for the, the thing you really want. One of the tricks I used to do was I would... Uh, because we, we have a fairly small house and, you know, the living room was a big common space. And so sometimes they, I hate when they leave dirty dishes in there or, you know, I don't know, but kids have this thing. Whenever they come home, they take their socks off. Right. So you, know, you go and you find like 10 pairs of socks under the couch. So I used to deduct, you know, if I had to take their dishes into the kitchen or, or collect all their clothing that was left, I would deduct, like sort of 25 cents or something from their allowance. And that was what ah. I, my maid service, you know? So. <laughs> well, that's a great way of looking at it. So it's, you know, it's in life and all the things that they had to do, they were earning their allowance, but also understanding that there are um, consequences to their actions at the same time. <laughs> that's right. Perfect. So. You know, we've kind of covered up things that we should think about when we're entering a relationship and kids. And what about sort of later in life as you're transitioning from, you know, potentially your career into retirement and, and getting ready for, you know, the fun years. Fun years. <laughs> I don't know. Fun years. Fun year? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Every year is a fun year. Absolutely. Um, but how do you, what's an important thing for women to think about as, as we're going into retirement years? Well, the first thing I, um, you know, and actually I'll be discussing this with Cindy on mm -hmm. uh, Thursday night. So the main thing is to think about the kind of retirement you want. Um, and that's what I like to do when I'm talking about it with people um, is like put aside the money for now. I mean, it may or may not be possible, but what do you want to do? So some people say right away, oh, I want to travel. Okay. Before you retired, did you do traveling? Well, no. So why do you think you're going to enjoy traveling now if you've never traveled before? Oh, right? interesting. Okay. So, and, and they may. I mean, you know, you may want to travel. You may not. But maybe now you should try taking a trip and see if you really like it or not. Um, you know, do you want to live in the city? Did you want to move out of the city to a smaller place? Um are you going to live in your own home or did you want to sell it uh, and move to an apartment? Sort of, you know, did you want to do volunteer work? Do you want to work part-time? Do you want to do nothing? So, sort of envision your retirement. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is to, you know, find out what your government benefits will be. So there's basically Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security. Right. You can register, uh, set up, most people have a My Account with Canada Revenue Agency, mm -hmm. and you can find out what your benefit will be. Um, okay. And so that's helpful to know, because that's often a base uh, to start your retirement, and then find out what streams of income you're going to have. So um, do you, will you be getting a pension from work? Um, or from a previous work, a previous job, what sort of assets have you saved up in a retirement savings plan or tax-free savings account? Um, and then, so that's what we look at. What are the streams of income that you're going to have in retirement? And then what's possible? Okay. So, so it's really, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, no. So it's, it's 
thinking about what you want for retirement, um, seeing what you have. And then the other thing is if there's a shortfall, and this is where planning starting early is good, is you can start saving. Uh, because, you know, even if you're younger, even saving an extra couple hundred dollars a month can make a big difference. You know, OK, so that was actually going to be my question is that how early should you be planning for this retirement? And I, I would imagine you'll envision retirement differently depending on what stage of life you're in, what's going on in your life. But how early is too early to start planning for something? Well, I don't know if it's ever too early, but again, you know, it comes back to what you said in the very beginning about striking a balance. I found out yes. there's something, uh, and the, the acronym is FIRE, F-I-R-E, and it's something finish, something retire early. And it's, okay. I read about this somewhere, and it's like these millennials, I guess, young people who basically all they do is work, right? Like Like six days a week, 15 hours a day, they work, 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 work. That's their thing. And then their goal is to retire early. So by the time they're 40, or maybe yes. even younger, they'll have amassed a million dollars or $2 million, and they can retire and not work. And I mean, my thing is like, well, okay, that's kind of nice, I guess. But <laughs> like, you know, I just, you know, I'm just settling a death claim for, for a guy. Um, um, who died suddenly and oh. he, like, yeah, 49 years old. So oh. yeah, it's very sad. But, and I think with COVID, we found out you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Yeah, that's right. Like, I don't know. Um, maybe you should not work quite as much, retire a bit later and just sort of enjoy life a bit as well. I mean, I right. can't even, I mean, I'm much older than that, but I, I love my work and I'll work even part-time for as long as I can. Sure. But it's it's important to start saving. Again, it's coming back to that saving. And especially if you don't have um, a pension plan. So some right. people are very lucky they have a pension plan from work or you know some sort of RRSP at work. Uh, but if you don't have that, and a lot of people don't, uh, particularly women, yeah. uh, then it's really important to start saving something for the future. And, and, you know, good old compound interest, the earlier you can start, the better. That's right. And it's, um, it's interesting, the pension plan that you mentioned through work, because there's also situations where you never know what can happen with your job, like in careers, many times there's restructuring, there's different things that happen. And and that may not be something that you have. So having that sort of financial independence is, it's um, it's a freedom and it feels like a safety net somehow to have that in the background. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you can sit down with a planner and then take a look and then, you know, you do a projection towards your retirement and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I'm going to be <laughs> to retire and do that or you know all i've got to do is save you know an extra hundred dollars a month and i'll be there or yeah. you know whatever um needs to be done but yeah having that financial independence is really important and again especially for women too um you know we don't i mean we know women don't earn as much as men we tend yeah. not have the really good jobs with pensions right uh, so. so how do you um, 
when you are saving money and you're starting to invest and I'm really interested in, you know, your nomination for um, socially responsible investing, how do you go about choosing, no matter how much money you have, how do you go about choosing what you invest your money in that sort of matches your personal ethos, I'll say? Um, well, there's, with investing, there's a few considerations. So one is, uh, first of all, your time frame. So if you're saving, like you have, everyone should have what I call just a, an ordinary savings account. And those are, as you know, everyone knows, they have very, very little interest. Like, you know, if you can get 1% interest, that's pretty good. I mean, most little savings checkings account, it's like half a percent, but right. you need that there because it's absolutely safe and secure. So if, you know, your mother takes sick, in Vancouver and you've got to fly across the country, you've got some money or if your roof stop starts leaking or, you know, whatever, the kids come home and it's like, oh yeah, mom, I forgot we're going to put this field trip or yeah. whatever. Um, I remember that. That's like with the bake sale. That's why I always kept a cake mix in the cupboard. Oh, <laughs> the, so, emergency, the emergency. The emergency. I'm making cupcakes, run to the corner, <laughs> parties to stick on top. But, you know, it's always an emergency. Yes. Um, so you need that. If you're saving for something real long-term, like your retirement or maybe mm -hmm. your children's education 15 years down the road, you can invest in something uh, that has a little more risk, but uh, like a stock or a mutual fund, but it's going to, over the long term, give you a better rate of return. Okay. And we spend two hours I'll talking about investing in that. Uh, <laughs> but I find um, I, I, I'm not licensed for stocks or bonds. I never wanted sure. to get into that. But I do mostly mutual funds because I find for most people, uh, unless you're real do it yourself or you take a real interest in it, then great. There's a lot of online programs. Um, you know, all the banks have them and you can invest online uh, and do it yourself. But for most of my clients, it's, you know, have a money manager who knows about this, go pick all the stocks and bonds and put it together into a, a mutual fund basket and invest that way. Uh, socially responsible investing is uh, really my passion. And uh, again, we could talk for two hours about this as well. Yeah. It's become really popular and a lot of uh, mutual fund companies are jumping on the bandwagon and there's accusations of greenwashing that they're right. not and you do have to do some research on it okay. uh, but essentially I mean they have negative screens so uh, almost all of them they won't carry things like tobacco military weapons nuclear power uh, gambling right. pornography alcohol no yeah I don't have a problem <laughs> that one but, I'm like, oh, <laughs> but they do uh, a lot of them not all, again not all the companies but a lot of them do very positive screens so they will check okay. for um say for example supply chain so they will see and i know and they work with corporations as well so they okay. may uh say with the company look um you know this t-shirt that you're selling 
um, cotton is sourced from Uzbekistan, and we know that they're using child labor to harvest the cotton. Uh -huh. uh, so you need to be responsible on that. Um, they'll work with them and say, look, you know, your board of 20, uh, you know, there's like only four women and one person of color, you've got to do better. So they'll work with them to, to get them to do better and to take responsibility. Um, executive compensation is a huge issue. So they will also go, um, these fund companies, because they own um, stock in the company, they'll go to the shareholder meetings. Um, and then they'll, you know, put forward resolutions and, you know, have a say on executive compensation. Um, there's a lot of new funds coming out. So like um, one that's done really well, it's um, with a, a Desjardins and it's their clean tech fund. So it will invest in clean energy and new technologies. Okay. Uh, yeah. Really interesting. So it's... Um... So when you say you have to do your research, I think a lot of people feel a bit overwhelmed in terms of how do you research something like that. So that's what a professional or financial advisor like yourself would be able to help you navigate. Exactly. And okay. I, you know, I make the analogy, Luca, that, you know, I, I don't want to change the oil in my car. I really have no interest <laughs> learning how to do it. Learning how to do it, getting dirty. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. <laughs> learn how to fix my car i take yeah, it to a yeah. garage and you know what it is it's that trust i trust them right, right. that they're not going to try to tell me something's wrong that it's not so i can take my car in uh, i remember for a while they kept wanting to give me like show me what was wrong I'm like, you're like i'm good <laughs> oh, it just it. um but i trust them right yes. and they will fix it and they will take care of it for me so yes. that's the same thing where where people do trust me. Um, I tend to maybe because I'm a woman or something, but I err on the side of caution. So I'll try to be a little more conservative, but okay. um, I'll listen to people. I'll see what the time frame is uh, for their investment. What's their risk tolerance? And then I will research the funds and then make suggestions for them. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, so for the listeners out there who are thinking, you know, financial advisors could potentially be very expensive um, or inaccessible, how, how can they sort of approach finding a financial advisor that would work for them? There, we're paid in many different ways. So mm -hmm. some, um, so for example, I'm a certified financial planner. Right. Uh, a CFP. So I adhere to a code of conduct. I had to write a six hour exam. I have to take continuing education credits. I'm associated with the uh, financial planning standards of six Canada. Hour exam. In yeah, one well, shot. broken up into three. Three. Okay. Three in the morning, <laughs> a lunch break, and then three in the afternoon. And okay. I, I passed the first time. It has a 50% failure rate. Amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> I was so determined. I studied so yeah. hard. I not writing this again. Yeah. Um, where were we? See? Lost Sorry. So, no, no, no. <laughs> That's okay. So um, there are uh, advisors who do fee only. So they will do financial planning for you. Uh, okay. They won't sell you any products. Um, they might refer you to someone I don't know or you're on your own. That's if you just want financial planning. There are others who, with investments, charge a percentage of what you invest with them. 
Um, I will do, if someone just wants financial planning, I, I will do financial planning on um, a fee-based uh, fee, you know, charge a fee to planning. But also if people want to invest, uh, then I am happy to help them out. And, um, you know, a lot of advisors, they want really big minimum thresholds because there is some paperwork to set it up. But I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad capitalist. I just, <laughs> I, I like helping people. So, I mean, even if you have a small portfolio, a yeah. lot of clients on because I, I want to help them and get them on the right path. Right. So what works here is every... Uh, mutual fund, and this is all disclosed when I meet. So every mutual fund has a management fee and uh, that management fee, part of it is used to pay the fund managers who go and pick all the stocks and bonds, administrative costs. And usually about 1% of that fee is paid to my company, CART. And okay. then out of that, they pay me about 70% of that 1%. Okay. So I get like a, a commission, a trailing commission from that. Sure. So, so there's no fee. If you come to me with your investments and you want advice, and once you're a client of mine, financial planning is all included because that's part of the service I offer. So yeah, um, you can just bring your investments to me or start investing and that's it. Well, I think um, yeah, that's amazing. And I think obviously anyone listening can, can absolutely trust you uh, with their finances. But how do, how do people go about sort of that's a, we talked about this earlier. It's a very trusting relationship that has to happen between a financial planner or advisor and their client. How does that build? And I, I assume it builds over time, but how do you establish that? I think, first of all, I always start with a, um, like a, just a 15 minute, usually it goes longer, what I call discovery call. So it's just sure. very threatening. Let's just talk and, and see if we're a good fit. Um, and sometimes if people want to meet, they can, or we can do it over Zoom. So uh, people can check my website, they can see um, how I am, but um, I think it's just the feeling you get from someone. The other thing I should mention is that financial services, um, it's very, certainly with my, my company cart, like everything goes through compliance, right? So. Okay. Everything. So if I do, if you come and you want to invest with me, right, and you're 70 years old, and I say, oh, let's put you in this precious metal investment, and um, I think energy is going to be on a rebound type thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, before we do the trade, it has to go through my compliance department. Like, I can't just send it in. It goes through compliance. They okay. would at that and they would say wait a minute this is a 70 year old woman and you're putting her into high risk portfolios like no and and they would decline to to do the trade right ah, so there's a level of checking check and balance that happens level of checking i mean yeah. in that situation it might be you know if i had the client write a letter and say she's got you know, two hundred thousand dollars invested, and this ten thousand's just kind of play money, whatever. But essentially, I would, I would never do it anyhow. Uh, but yeah. but there is a level of compliance, and there are checks um, on the advisors and what they invest. But 
Yeah, I think it's just meeting someone, talking to them. I mean, you know, again, if you, you Google me or you go to my website, you'll see testimonials from my clients. And, and you know, a lot of my clients become friends. I'm just, yeah. I, I enjoy working with them. And I, I really enjoy helping people, um, you know, and being there for them. And, and also, you know, markets go up and markets go down. And when the markets go down, um, you've got me there where I'm going to phone you and I'm going to say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's review your portfolio. Yeah. You know, you've been through this before things, you know, you don't need this money for another 10 years. So why don't we just wait and see, or maybe we should move this or whatever. So you're like a financial advisor slash therapist also. <laughs> therapist, yeah. Sometimes therapists <laughs> Effort. Yes, I, I get hear everyone's intimate secrets. I'll tell well, you. this is the thing with finances, you're going to get into those sort of details. So um, it certainly sounds like you're following your passion for helping people, which is amazing. What yeah. would you say in terms of advice for women in particular who are thinking about uh, moving into the financial services sector professionally? But, yeah, I would say, you know, it is um, a fantastic career choice. Um, there's the, I think the average age of advisors now is about 50. So it's, wow, it's getting, okay. it's getting old. Um, you don't need a university degree. I would suggest, I think like Seneca college or probably a lot of community colleges have, um, a financial planning course, and that would be really helpful. But, um, I mean, you can just study on your own. You can take uh, the insurance, life insurance exam. Uh, that's another thing I do. I provide like life, disability, critical illness insurance. Sure. Uh, and study, you know, for to get your mutual fund license and, and go from there. And you can always start um, to get training and understanding and a bit of security. You don't have to start out on your own. You could go with the bank. Um, or, you know, an investment company might want to hire a junior person to help a senior person. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm, I mean, I love where I am and I'm not making any changes, but I'm constantly getting job offers, you know, Francie, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, interested in joining us and blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but it's a great career. And eventually, if you can start, uh, go out on your own and build your own business. And yes, it's tough. Uh, I left a corporate job about five years ago um, to go out on my own, uh, which is where I started. And it's been five years and I'm sort of really just really hitting my stride now. Um, yeah. It takes time to build up your business. Uh, but once you get going, I mean, it's really unlimited. Like you can, honestly, you can make as much money as you want. You can put in as many hours as you want. There's great flexibility, great freedom. And for me, it's like just helping people and, you know, helping people doing what I like and making money. I mean, it's a triple win. So Living the dream. You are living the dream. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, are there any sort of words of wisdom you'd like to share with, with women in general um, as we wrap up today? Um, yeah, you know, I would just say, Naluka, that 
be, you know, be good to yourself. I think women are often our own worst enemies. And a lot of us, you know, uh, there may have been trauma uh, in childhood that we're sort of carrying with us, um, you know, for a lot of people in this world, not just women, you know, the trauma. And, and um, it really affects us. But, you know, you just love yourself, be gentle with yourself. Um, if you make a mistake, recognize it and then just say, well, you know, I always say there's no mistakes in life, just learning lessons. Lessons, uh, absolutely. So, you know, you just say, well, that was stupid. I better not do that again. Um, and then move forward and just try to, to find your own heart, try to find your own path and, and work towards it. Have a great support group. Um, you know, I belong to a few networking groups and, and just having mostly, but not all women. And they're great to have um, because they are women who will support you, which is also important, you know, if you're running your own business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And, and we will post your website in the description for this podcast so that our listeners can reach out to you for support also. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If anyone would like to, you can uh, always book an appointment for my website and with any questions you want to ask. And everything is confidential too. Like I have, I have mother and daughter clients. Right. Uh, but I don't discuss anything with either of them. If they want to share, that's fine. But um, it's all confidential. Perfect. That's amazing. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will take you up on that. Um, (laughs) And thank you for your time and and your advice and your wisdom and and sharing everything with us today. Well, thank you. I'm I'm delighted to help. This is a great podcast and and a great group. And uh, congratulations to you for your devotion to it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay.